0: I'm Ben Klunt. And I'm Stephen Brown. We're two entrepreneurial professionals based in Spokane, Washington.
1: Join us on our journey to make 2019 the most prosperous of our lives.
0: We'll bear all as we strive to improve all aspects of our business and our health and fitness, as well as our relationships personally and professionally.
1: We aim to offer impactful insight into our business and personal lives. We'll share the good, the bad, and the ugly throughout our journey.
0: With the ultimate goal of our business and fitness, being in the best shape of our lives at the close of 2019. You're, You're listening, listening to the Ordinary to Extraordinary Podcast.
1: It, it, Who are we with today, Stephen? We're, we're recording.
0: We're with um, Mike Roth, the Athletic Director of Gonzaga University. I like uh, it. One of the most improved programs over the last 25 years i would say right mate yeah yeah i've only been doing it 23. i was going to say does that coincide (laughs) with when you've come on yeah Yeah. so i've got some some little notes here you've been here since 1998 2019 ad of the year nice that's cool yeah Uh, 23, about to start your 24th or 23rd season. 23rd season,
2: yeah. And yeah, yeah. I've actually been at Gonzaga since uh, 1986. So I spent my first 10 years as an assistant AD doing. Ah. We were much smaller then, much different then. So I wore a lot of different hats in those days. And uh, then I took over as AD actually in the summer of 1997, and been doing that ever since. And yeah, they have been lucky enough to i think they were short on people for the ad of the year award a couple times there 2008 and 2000 or 2009 and 2019 so they just i drew the short straw that was the only one left standing i guess but uh, uh it's been quite a run it's been quite a run
0: yeah it's well deserved we'll start with the mega successful basketball program let's talk about the origins there we've we've actually interviewed mike nielsen as well good and we chatted with him a little bit a good time with that he was kind of there at the transition from not so good to good yeah so let's talk about it tell us well that's story
2: what's great is for me at least from my experiences i even go back further than that actually even past those 33 years i spent a year here in 1982-83 on the basketball staff. I was the third assistant on the staff uh, that year. Uh, we had a little guard that was pretty good. What was his name? Stockton. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Stockton. Not very well known. Stockton was his name. He went on, he played a couple of years in the NBA after that, and maybe a couple Olympics. But no, I, I spent 82-83 on the basketball staff. Jay Hillock was the head coach during that time. And, and again, if it wasn't for Jay, I wouldn't be here right now to be quite honest with because that's what opened Mm. the door and and uh, so i got to experience that our who we were gonzaga basketball wise back in 82 83 then when i came back in 86 and my first 10 years back you know again we were not who we are today by any stretch but it allows me to remember that you know so many of our staff and so many of our fans only know gonzaga since 99 yeah when we made the first you know started this run to the you know in, in this national prominence and and so it keeps my feet well grounded and and allows me to
1: well you know the struggle right before. and, and yeah, talk yeah, about when we is.
2: we played in a much smaller building and mm-hmm. rarely filled it up mm-hmm. and we nobody knew where we were where we we're from we never were on National TV, you know, I can remember the first ESPN game we were ever on, and the yeah. the first uh, first time ESPN broadcast from here, you know, or you know, outside of the NCAA tournament, our first you know CBS broadcasts, uh, mm. you know, all those things as we evolved over time. But you know, it's an interesting thing too, is you asked Stephen as far as how that came about and what are those some of the things that happened and and. Uh, you know most people would look at it and they would probably say that you know we were just lucky you know that we were lucky we you know we were in the right place at the right time and everything just came together and there's a lot of truth to that there's a lot of there, that that is true in a lot of different ways however you also need to make sure you use whatever definition of luck that uh, yeah. works for you.
1: There's the definition out there that I think, oh, someone said Oprah came up with, that. I don't know who actually did. It's like luck is where opportunity and preparedness meet, right?
2: Exactly right. It's like you got to be ready and, to capitalize on it. Yep. Yeah. to give credit from where I got it from was Dr. Doctor Ar- Arnie Peterson, who was our longtime lead you know physician for our program here. He retired just a year and a half ago, two years ago now. And Arnie told me, Early on in this success I said something to him, he was congratulating me and I said, All right, I'm just lucky and he said, Yeah, you are, Mike, but let's remember the definition of luck. It's when opportunity or excuse me, it's when preparation meets opportunity. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we did some really conscious things. You know, in the summer of ninety eight we did a lot of things to Change who we were from an image standpoint, and we changed how we scheduled. We changed our color. We went. From, we were a light blue, and we changed to the the dark blue. We changed our logo. <laughs> uh, we changed a lot of the things that we had been visually, you know, physically. We changed the brand. Yes, yeah. and at the same time, we changed the brand by winning games, <laughs> and so we had put those things in. They they met at the same time. We changed the logo at the same time we we become the you know the darlings of you know yeah it still lives yeah. on today you know gus johnson the slipper still fits because yeah. we beat you know florida to go to the elite eight game and and so from that standpoint uh again we did some really conscious things because we knew we we wanted to change and that's one of the big things is you gotta dream it. Yeah. If you can't dream it, you're not gonna do it. If you if you don't chase it, you're not gonna get it. People rarely get stuff by just being. Mm-hmm. And I mean, what are the what are the odds of winning the lottery? You know, or the, the Mega Millions, or Powerball, or whatever it might be, a gazillion to one, because you don't have to work for it, right? And most success comes from people that go out and chase it, mm-hmm. and they stumble, they fall, they you know they stub their toes here and there along the way nothing's ever easy but man when you achieve after all that hard work and risk that you you know you kind of you put yourself out there uh, it means so much more than if it just fell in your lap right, you know? yeah yeah and the the those the wealthy individuals that are out there kind of like you guys uh <laughs> you know that earned it you know that earned it over time it means so much more to you than the person who yeah. you know it, it, they, they handed like it. They to won, yeah, they yeah. just handed. So they won the lottery. Yeah, you know, and that's sometimes you hear about all. I mean, I lotter-
1: would mind win the lottery every once in a while. And yeah. That'd be okay. Yeah,
0: yeah, you'd be all right. I'd, I'd yeah. take the money. Got to yeah. buy a ticket, right? You got to. Oh. That's the problem. Gosh that is exactly <laughs> right. Oh. We got to figure
2: that part out.
0: So yeah. let's talk coaching. Then, obviously, Mark's been here a long time. Mm-hmm. What was the process to hire him? What do you look for when you're hiring?
2: yeah well it's it's interesting there's I've got some great stories about that of course but before I jump into the story you know you point out that Mark's been here a long time and Mark will tell you I I say it too we we both there's longer tenure basketball coaches out there mm-hmm. you know Mike Krzyzewski and Jim Bainheim have been, been at their schools for a really long time there's maybe only one AD out there right now that has more tenure <laughs> at one school than I do right. right now but Together, we're by far the the AD head men's basketball coach. We're by far the longest longevity of, of any school in the country because we've both been here so long. <laughs> uh, you know, Mark as head coach starting his 21st year, me as AD starting my 23rd year. Wow. So that alone, is, you know, says something about our belief in the place. But as far as getting mark uh it was it was interesting you know because i took over as ad same time dan munson took over as head men's basketball Mm -hmm. coach mark was his assistant they had both been assistants before that and uh, mark was an up-and-comer in the business and so other other head coaches out there were starting to sniff around that had a lot more resources than we did again this is pre-99 gonzaga so you know we we didn't have a lot of resources and our coaches weren't you know all that well paid etc and, and so months and i had talked about you know what can we do to keep mark and you know some months said you know what if i ever were to leave and i said well you know it's working with you so far you know what if we did the same thing with mark what if i put in writing to mark that he'll be our next head basketball coach if he stays at gonzaga and if he leaves Then, you know, it's void, but if he stays, that's the case. And, you know, we did that, and it was more, to be honest with you, just to keep Mark from going to take an assistance job. Mm. Pitt Pitt at the time was chasing him pretty hard, and it's kind of funny too there because the the six degrees of Kevin Bacon, you know. (laughs) Mm -hmm. The Pitt head coach at the time was a guy named Ben Howland, who went on from Pitt to UCLA. Well, Ben got his coaching, college coaching career started, at Gonzaga, no kidding, is a grad guy at Gonzaga. Mm. <laughs> he left in the fall of 1982 to take a full-time job at UC Santa Barbara. Well, fall of '82 is when then Ooh. Jay Hillock, the head coach, asked me to take Ben's place. <laughs> oh, <sorry. laughs> so it's it is you know the it's funny how
1: small it is how small it yeah. can be at times. Gosh.
2: But anyway, you know so this, you know we go to the we go to the Elite Eight. Munza's the darling of the country. Couple of schools are after him. We we do all we can with him from a financial standpoint, and that gave him a huge raise and all these things. But comparatively, where we are today, not not nothing close. But then, uh, and we were able to survive all those uh, initially. But Minnesota, who we had played in the NCAA tournament, was go was and they were everybody knew they were going to go on some pretty severe probation status. Um, they were trying to find a coach, and they just couldn't get anybody to take the job. And so they contacted Munts, and when when they flew the plane, the private plane out here to pick him up, which may have been the first time he'd been on one hmm. like that, I knew we were in trouble. And <laughs> he he flew back and, and was there, and it was a tough decision by Munts, even though they quad, uh, I think it was five times. I think they paid him five times oh, wow. more than what we were paying him here he was getting married i mean you couldn't fault him for it to this day i don't fault him for that move it was the right move for him but uh and father spitzer wasn't on campus father spitzer was our president at the time he'd only been president for less than a full year at that point and but i kept him in the loop he was at some jesuit meetings so i'm i'm on the phone with him just hey months is going to minnesota for you know to interview and i'm afraid we might lose okay okay well keep me in the loop so it goes on finally the months back there three days and he pushed away from the table a couple of different times but every time he'd push away from the table say, I'm going back to Spokane they would just hmm. dump more money on the table <laughs> well that <laughs> and, makes it a little yeah, like, until, yeah. here's another and, bag yeah, you know, yeah that's table, for yeah. sure and then uh, so anyway he called months calls me and you know it's quite emotional for both of us and you know and I you know, I was clear that, yeah, he's making the right move for him. Yeah. So I get on the phone. My next, you know, I hang up with months and I call Father Spitzer up to tell him. And Father was, okay, I get it. Okay. Okay. But what are we going to do? Mike, Mike, what are we going to do? And I said, Father, it, it's done. Remember, I told you Mark Few is going to be our next head coach. I, that's already done. He said, okay, good, good, good. Which one is he? <laughs> yeah. Now again, to give Father credit. You got to remember that Father's vis—you know—at that point he had some visibility. Now he's completely blind, but he had very limited uh, eyesight, and he'd only been the president for eight, nine months, or yeah, nine, nine ten months at that point. Is he the one
1: that traveled with you guys for a lot too? Uh,
2: he he went to a number of games, he but he games. didn't travel always with the team. But but he was our president from uh, fall of '98 through what was it, 2011? Uh, he was our president and well, So Thane, fa- father never missed an NCA, ter- <laughs> never missed an NCA. Ter- neither is Thane. as president? I was going to say
1: Thane was president when I was here. Yeah, and I graduated twenty eleven.
2: Yeah, so I think that was. So th- th- it
1: must have been like yeah tw-
2: twenty, it, uh, maybe it was oh nine. Yeah, I think Thane's been president ten years now. Because he so,
1: was interim, I think, right when I was coming.
2: Yeah, in. yeah. Father was president for ten years, I think, and then and then Thane uh, has been here since. So but yeah. anyway, it was kind of funny at the time because, that, and again, Father, which one? He'd only, been, you know, and Bill Greer was our other assistant at yeah. the time. They're both about the same height and everything. Yeah. So it was Father figured out in a hurry who Mark Few was and has loved him ever since.
1: I was telling Stephen Bill Greer's wife Nicole Greer worked for my family oh really when i was young and so we would occasionally get to go to a gu basketball game when it was in the old in martin the, center in the old
2: kennel yeah yeah
1: when Bill was assistant coach too, and I just remember going and seeing the student section, and I was young at that yeah. point, right? And seeing the student section and the energy of the student section, and I was like, I want
2: to go to that school. Like that is <laughs> awesome. Yeah, Well, now it's and now 10 it's a little bigger. Talent. Yeah, a
1: little more energy. Yep.
2: Yeah, it's but great. It was very cool. So that's how Fine. it came. You know, for Mark, it wasn't a search. It wasn't. You know, Mark was here, and I I had already made the decision. We had already made the decision that he would be. Our head coach before months ever took that Minnesota job. And, you know, there was a lot of people again that were, oh my, you know, is he going to be able to do this? And, oh my, oh my, oh my. Yeah. You know, Mark hasn't disappointed. No. Uh, you know, his first year we were back in the Sweet 16, his second year we we're back in the Sweet 16, and now. 21 years later, he's, you know, a Hall of Fame, going to be a Hall even of Fame still coach. Even still with
1: Mark, you're talking about Munson, people dumping money on the table. It's like there's a lot of schools out there that could dump a lot of money on the table for Mark.
2: Oh, well, they've been trying for years. But he's stuck around <laughs> yeah, even well,
1: through it. So, I mean, he, money aside, what do you think it is that keeps him?
2: Well, be, you know, there's I mean, he's got a good salary now, I'm Oh assuming. yeah, he, he, good, he yeah. He's, he's doing quite well now, trust me. <laughs> yeah. But at the same he time... He gets by? He gets barely. Yeah. But, barely. But... <laughs> You know, it's Spokane, but but he also could have made over the years. I mean, there's the list of jobs, and and none of them were made up. I mean, these are all jobs that I knew about and was very aware of, and even recently. Mm -hmm. uh, It slowed down recently because people have like, hey, he's never leaving. But this past season, there was a school chasing him hard and could willing to pay him virtually doubled what we pay and we pay him a lot you know and uh, so it's not about the money for Mark it's you know one of the things that the reason Mark and I are the longest tenured AD basketball coach in the countries is because we both believe we can do anything we want at Gonzaga that we could do anywhere else Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and we get to live in Spokane. Mm-hmm. And we get to be a part of this community and a part of not just the Spokane community, but the Gonzaga community. But we believe we can win a national championship. I mean, we were, you know, couple, two minutes away, Yeah, two minutes, yeah. You know, two minutes away. And, you know, a couple buckets here or there, or maybe, you know, you know, just the ball didn't bounce our way. You can't la- see it,
0: but I'll call it. The referees could make a couple different decisions. <laughs> uh, la- you know,
2: last year, last year's team, again, could have, you know, could have won the national championship we just ball didn't bounce our way in that texas tech game that's just the nature of the beast and you look at how virginia won the national championship last year it shows you that the ball has to bounce your way they they won two games that everybody thought they had lost in that tournament that nobody ever wins a game off a missed, purposely missed free throw, it just doesn't happen. Instead, they purposely miss a free throw. The ball goes to the back court. They throw it back into the front court. Guy throws a shot up and goes in. They go to overtime and win. That never happens, mm-hmm. but it did. So you know, to win, and we know that that's going to happen. We're going to get that done here. So that's why Mark's still the head coach. He believes in us as a university, us as a department. For that matter, me as AD, he believes in himself, in the program, just as much as I do. And he knows that we're backing that up, not just that we just don't talk about it, that we just that's don't that. say we're going to be good or say we're committed. We do it.
1: And that's the community. I think he likes it a lot, oh, too. I, you see how involved like, the, all of GU right. is in the community, too? It's like, I mean, you guys have a incredible relationship with the Spokane community, too.
0: I would go a step further and say that you guys and when I say you guys, I mean you at the top and all the way down in every sport I've had a unique insight into some of the sports here, having friends that have coached here in multiple different sports. Culture is what's important here and honestly I think there would be a fear on Mark's end whether he admits it or not that he couldn't replicate that culture elsewhere. You're not mm-hmm. seeing players here do things that are making national headlines. You're not seeing recruiting violations. You guys are strict on the NCAA rules and you know, when was the last time you saw a story on ESPN about Gonzaga recruiting somebody illegally or doing something that they shouldn't do? So I think culture is a huge part of that, and, and you have to take some of the credit for that, or all of the credit for that.
2: <laughs> I don't know if I deserve any of the credit, but we have a great staff, and it trickles through everybody. But culture is is absolutely correct. Uh, uh, Seth Davis was on campus here, uh, you know, earlier this in the fall here, and spent some time with Mark and the staff and myself and, uh, he wrote in the athletic about culture and about the Gonzaga culture. And, and again, he, here's a third party that, that, you know, got to see it for a week or so and, and realize it is unique and it is special and it would be hard to replicate, but you know, we've seen it, we've seen people hire our assistants to try to replicate it. We've mm-hmm. seen, you know, our, you know, our, My assistants, you know, deputy AD, senior associate AD, they've been offered jobs to go other places because people want to learn or get a, you know, try to replicate the the magic sauce, the secret sauce, sauce, the Gonzaga secret sauce. I don't disagree that I'm not sure you can replicate it other places. And as I mentioned the other day to somebody, if it was easy, then everybody'd be doing it. And you start looking at the numbers of what, and in, in, you go even beyond men's basketball, but you start looking at the numbers just in men's basketball. You know, 21 straight NCAA tournament appearances. That's us, mm-hmm. Duke, Michigan State, and Kansas. We're at 11 straight first-round wins in the NCAA tournament. Yeah. That's us in Kansas. Uh, we're at five straight Sweet 16s. That's us and us. Yeah, We're the only school. If it was easy, everybody would be doing it. If it just fell into our lap and it just happens because every somebody else would be able to replicate it, it's not. It, it's a lot of hard work. I was
1: say, I think what's funny about this whole secret sauce thing too is it's like everybody thinks it's like some tactic or something, right? It's like it's not any one person. It's how all of you come together, right? right? That's the secret sauce. So if you take somebody out, it's like you're not getting the secret sauce because you've got to replicate the entire team. Right. You know how that works to get the true secret sauce, right? Yeah,
0: absolutely. You named five powerhouses of college basketball there, and you guys are one of them, right? Yep. Kansas, Michigan State, Duke. Yep. And who was the fourth one there uh, when you said the 21 okay. it's p-
2: it's It's Kansas, Michigan State,
0: Duke, and... Either way, Ooh, those ones alone. Like, <laughs> put them on the spot. Kansas yeah. and Duke are yeah. perennial contenders, Under right. Tom Izzo, Michigan State, are a tough team to oh, yeah. beat. They're always there, and they're not recruiting to Spokane, Washington. They're, <laughs> they're recruiting from a, a a pool of forty thousand students and people that want to go mm-hmm. and live in those places. Well, not that people do, and want to different conferences. Yeah,
2: they're recruiting to the ACC. They're recruiting to the Big Ten. They're recruiting to the Big Twelve. They're recruiting mm-hmm. to to um, the SEC, et cetera. You know, in our case, the West Coast Conference doesn't always help us there. It doesn't always yeah. hurt us either. It's gotten better. And we'll continue to get better with the West Coast Conference. We're seeing it this year. We've got two teams preseason ranked, top 20, You know, yeah. Gonzaga and St. Mary's. Yeah. You guys are number we're, eight? We're getting better, yeah, number eight and number seven. And St. Mary's is 20 in both polls. So,
1: What do you think about your ranking this year?
2: Oh, I think it's way too high. But I always yeah. think that. It, <laughs> I think that Coach Few and I, that's, you know, Coach Few and I that's don't funny. always agree over the years. We, you know, that's what makes it. What makes know, it good. It's what makes yeah. it good is we don't have to agree on everything, but we always agree on. Doesn't matter what. So we're So he right. likes
1: number eight. No, no I, oh,
2: he, no, he he probably doesn't. doesn't like number eight either. No. I always mean, he to be the underdog. How, how about twenty-eight? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but it's you know, it, you know that, that year was uh, what two thousand. Uh, 18, so after the Final Four run, you know, that team, St. Mary's was preseason ranked ahead of us. They were picked to win the league, all those things. We really liked that. It gave our guys mm-hmm. even more motivation to do what they did that year, which was win the regular season, win the league tournament, yeah. Go to the Sweet 16 with a team that nobody projected could do that. So, yeah. you know, we 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 enjoy, we embrace that piece. But uh, no, what you're saying, Gonzaga is a special place, and we've created. We athletically have been able to create something really special that now is not just men's basketball, but it's also, you know, we have women's basketball going yeah. on outside the window here here in the Volcker Center. We have. Women's soccer getting you know votes in the national ranking. We have cross country, awesome. men's men's cross country in the national rankings. Now we've got we've won I don't know eighteen in the last twenty or twenty one West Coast Conference championships in women's rowing. Yeah. Uh, you know we are doing things in all of our sports. Women's golf won back to back tournaments this fall already and have been to multiple NCAA tournaments. You know that's who we are, and we you know we. We believe we can compete in everything. And we want to be competitive in everything. And all of our coaches will tell you it all starts with men's basketball. Mm-hmm. You take your premier sport, whether it be football or basketball, that has to be your premier sport. And you can, if you can build it and get it to be like men's basketball is here, nationally prominent, a blue blood in college basketball, it will float all the other boats and we see it with facilities we see it with recruiting we see it with then success on mm-hmm. the court the water of the field
0: i was going to ask and i've got it written down here how you ensure that the other programs don't feel like the red-headed stepchild and you, you kind of touched on it there but they all benefit from it
2: absolutely they all benefit from it, but they also and they they see the result of that too since you know we built mccarthy athletic center we also built a new football field we're working on the stadium part a new tennis facility a new baseball facility we a new a uh, a new strength conditioning area a new athletic training room a new academic center all those things since we built mccarthy athletic center so yes you know you you start with you really put some resources and effort and everything behind your premier program in our case men's basketball And you can get everything else going. When men's basketball started this run in 99, women's basketball at Gonzaga, you look up the numbers. We weren't very good. That's an understatement to say we weren't very good. But now, last year, we were... We got up to 12th in the country last year. Men, Gonzaga men's basketball and women's yeah. basketball, the combination, were the highest ranked men's women's really? basketball wow. teams in the country wow. last year combined. Yeah, the girls have <laughs> been killing it. Nobody else. Yeah. Competing we, against we're, Michigan State. Yeah, and... yeah, we're 12th in the, or 13th in the country in attendance yeah. year in and year out in women's basketball. We've got all kinds of banners you know, up on the wall outside the window here. Uh, that's now what we do with women's basketball, which, again, just within the last twenty years, we were dead last in mm-hmm. our league, mm-hmm. and not that our league was our league's a lot better now than it was in women's basketball. But then we were, we weren't just not very good. We were dead last, mm-hmm. and and you know <laughs> Kelly come back, yeah, yeah, Kelly. Yeah. We we got Kelly Graves in as you know hired Kelly Graves in as our coach, and that you know he made tremendous strides great, yeah. and yeah. did a great job for us, and he's doing a great job at Oregon right he's now. A they, speaker, they're they're going to be. Yeah preseason ranked number one in the country i'm pretty wow, sure this yeah. year there at oregon they were in the final four last year and then lisa stepped in you know in his you know really big shoes literally and figuratively mm-hmm. and what did she do become the rookie national coach of the year her first year and took our team to the to the uh sweet to lead eight mm-hmm. uh or was it sweet 16 sweet sweet 16 and has been you know in the tournament all but one year since she's been here in that one year we had like six of our five starters get hurt. I know you can do the math on
0: that one. Um, Well, (laughs) maybe Stephen can do the math. Yeah, we'll let Stephen do the math. Steven still wants to thank you for calling the soccer field the football field. Yeah. Yeah. I know, Steven. Did you see you look at Steven? <laughs> Steven's like, <laughs> he's getting all giddy. But no, <laughs>
1: and, you know what's well, funny? Says, what, what you, what you, it, look what I wrote down. What? <laughs> that's American football, yeah, though.
2: Football, yeah. Well, you know, but I didn't say anything about having their boots on either, you know.
0: <laughs> True. Did you know that Gonzaga football is undefeated? There's actually history down there. Yeah, all since, one 19, season. since 1941.
2: Yeah. We're undefeated since
0: 1941. That was
1: one of the questions. Okay, so it's like, why no football team?
2: Yeah, well, one of the reasons. American the re- football. American football. You know, a lot of schools like Gonzaga dropped football during World War Two, and uh, a tremendous number of the smaller private schools that played football. Uh, dropped it during World War II, and a lot of them did what Gonzaga did. They didn't bring it back after the war. Uh, they And I don't know, you know, there's really no historians around anymore to answer that question for us of all the reasons behind it. I'm sure there were some financial reasons. There may have even been, you know, uh, personnel reasons from the standpoint of total number of, yeah. of students and stuff. I, I don't know, but I know that there's very few now schools that that play of schools of our type on the west coast it's san diego really? that still plays football uh saint mary's had dropped it now oh boy probably 15 years ago santa clara dropped it 22 years ago maybe something like the that other than that now, yeah. the rest of us had dropped it during the war so, you know san francisco etc we all dropped it at the same time we have a great history though of when we were playing football we have Two players in the NFL Hall of Fame, or two people in the NFL Hall of Fame. When our school, that's south of us here in town, that plays in the Pac-12, they don't have any in the NFL Hall of Fame, <laughs> but we have two. <laughs> think think about that. We haven't played since 1941, but we have two guys in, in the Hall of Fame. So it's uh, pretty special. And again, GU we athletics had a Stock- were always stellar. We had a Stockton before the Stockton. Everybody knows uh, Johnny's yeah. Johnny's grandfather played football for us, oh, Eus- wow. Houston Seriously? Stockton. yep. That's cool. Played football for us and was a star. He's actually in our Hall of Fame. Houston is, uh, who is who, is actually John's That's first son is, is named after. So it's a legacy. Yeah, yeah, it is. You've
0: mentioned uh, John Stockton multiple times, and one of the things I always just I'm am amazed by is that he's the one that doesn't have an NBA championship, but you've got guys hanging on the wall here that do. You know, yeah. Rob Sacre and Ronnie Turiaf yeah, uh, Adam Morris, Adam, yep, Adam Morrison, yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's unfortunate for John that, in some ways, unfortunate. I mean, they were in the NBA Finals twice, but both against Jordan and the if Bulls. You lose to MJ. Oh, yeah. yeah, it's just you know. Got a little and, height on the you other you know, there, think John. Think about yeah. it. That you know, Michael never lost an NBA Finals. Six and six. Never lost one. Wow. And you know, uh, there was a lot of people that did. You know, Magic and Bird both lost in the nba finals to each other but you know i mean we're talking about you know two of the most iconic great players ever and you know there's plenty of other examples of guys that uh that didn't ever get there either that you know that that are in the nba hall of fame like john and rightfully so that uh didn't get a ring and i'm sure john would trade all kinds of things for that (laughs) for that ring but at the same time he they were there and they were uh you know, they just, it's, you know, again, part of that, you know, being in, unfortunately, the wrong era. Yeah. And the only good thing is that, you know, Houston got a couple championships when uh, Michael decided to play, play baseball. Yep. He decided to play baseball for a while. And mm-hmm. when that was happening, it opened the door a little bit to some folks. So, but, I no. do think
0: that Houston team would still have been competitive for those two years. You know, you had Sam Cassell, Hakeem Olajuwon. Clyde Drexler, yep. um Hall Buma of Famers and Vernon Maxwell, they're all great players. Yep. Hall of Famers. So ninety four, ninety five I think might have been contested anyway, even if Jordan oh, yeah. stayed in the league. But to go away for two years, come back and then do another three. I mean that's back, yeah. essentially back to back three peats. Yeah, well and off. what's amazing about
2: <laughs> you know, speaking of Jordan's years, so you look at like the great Laker teams, Magic, Kareem, James Worthy. Those guys are all in the Hall of Fame. Mm -hmm. And just those guys off the top of my head, the same with Bird, who again, man, Larry Bird was just, he and Magic were unbelievable what they did. But Mm -hmm. Parrish, McHale, Mm -hmm. those guys are all in the Hall of Fame. And in in Michael's time, it's Michael and Scottie Pippen. And that's it. They're the rest of the, the rest of those guys on that team, most people can't name very many of them. Uh, some of them can remember when Steve Kerr played or John Paxson played at guard or
0: yeah, Ron Harper, Harper played
2: at guard or Rodman. Bill Bill Cartwright played center that played at USF for a little while. I, I sat mean,
0: next to Dennis Rodman a couple of weeks ago in Southern California, by the way, at random. Did you guys... By the way, <laughs>
2: did you try to copy his hair or Yeah, tat? what were you doing? How many tats do you have compared to him?
0: I, went, I was down there with <laughs> my uh, girlfriend and... He walked by, I was like, is that Dennis Rodman? They're like, oh, he's here all the time. And I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. Not in North Korea, you mean? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, it's funny, too. You see most people, because when you see basketball players, you usually see them with other basketball players. Yeah. And so they look normal. Mm-hmm. And then you take a Dennis Rodman and you get him out in public and you realize he's 6'9". <laughs> <laughs> you know, so he, he stands out. Big boy. Yeah, and that's... You know Johnny in his in the first Olympics they played uh, that Johnny played in was that Barcelona I think Barcelona, Barcelona yeah so in the at that point they only had so it was it was uh, Houston was born Michael was born and I think David was just a baby maybe at the time mm-hmm. the families travel of course but everywhere that was the dream team the first dream team everywhere went. they went they they just attracted all the attention but John. All he had to do was put a hat on and sunglasses.
1: He could blend in, and they in. could, yeah.
2: and he and the family could go anywhere they wanted, because nobody would recognize. And there's a story well, where Houston, they're talking to some people and these, and some Americans there, and the Americans are talking to John and Nada and about stuff. And isn't it great? This is just so much fun, and we can't wait to watch the Dream. They have no idea who John was. We can't wait to watch the Dream. And one of them's wearing a Dream Team T-shirt. In Houston, a little kid is is pointing. Hey, here's Daddy. Here's Daddy in the, <laughs> on the guy's t-shirt, yeah. and they never picked up on it. They never realized that yeah. they were talking to John Stockton. You're talking to one of the guys. Yeah, right. they were just talking to some guy on the street that's from America too. They didn't know they were actually talking to John really? Stockton. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, John could get away with that when Magic and those the rest of those guys. You know, you're six six yeah. or above, and you stand up, you stand out.
0: Yeah, I watched a documentary about that a few weeks ago. Actually, the yeah. uh, the Dream Team, the original Did Dream you. Team '92. Yeah. And uh, one of the things that really stuck out to me was the those guys went in and they were expected to win but they didn't, they still worked. There was, a, there was a story about they were slacking off at practice and Magic's team was playing Michael's team and Michael was sitting on the bench and like they wouldn't let Michael off the bench and then they let Michael off the bench and they lost one time to college team that had come over to practice with him, yep. and the next day it was like, all right, time, time to do some work here. You guys have to, have to beat them. Just imagine
1: losing to a college team if well, you of them, and you're just like, Whoa.
0: the next day.
2: Well, when you're talking about competitive people, yeah. see, that's, what people don't realize, I think, is you know Michael Jordan, great athlete, but not the best athlete in the NBA. There were more athletic guys in the NBA when he was there, and many more now, but nobody more competitive the same with Johnny. I mean Johnny mm-hmm. is not the quickest, not the fastest for sure, not the biggest or the strongest. But man, is he a competitor. <laughs> and it's not mm-hmm. in its in in, in it's in yeah. anything. You know, when it's time to compete, John, the, the great ones, Johnny, the Michael Jordans, those guys, they are going to compete and interesting. It is in mm-hmm. it's it doesn't matter what it is. If it's, you know, pick up basketball, I've watched Johnny over the years. I watched him when he was young all the way through. Pickup basketball game, nobody in the building, just 10 guys going up and down, and they lose. You'd swear he lost the NBA Finals. <laughs> I mean, he's so freaking pissed off of losing a pickup basketball game because that's, that's what makes them great. Yeah. That's what makes the best competitors great is their their ability and their desire to compete in some people always think it's their desire to win. No. I believe it's their hatred of losing.
0: Compulsion. We we talked about this a few weeks ago. We had a guy on that we interviewed, and he, he was looking at it as an unhealthy thing. I can't lose. I don't, I, I, I'm don't. a terrible loser, not in sense of being abusive to anybody, right. but I, exactly what you're describing, whether it was soccer or basketball, whatever I was playing. And to this day, I still have this... We won't say unhealthy, but we'll say compulsion to win. If I'm doing it, I'm doing it for keeps. Right. We're doing it for all the marbles. And, you know, MJ had it. You talked about Stockton having it. I always look at those guys, their defensive statistics and the amount of NBA defensive teams they made. Yeah. And that's how you know somebody's a true talent. When they're able to do it at both ends of the floor, Kobe Bryant had it. LeBron James does it. Mm -hmm. He's getting up and blocking people. But their, their work on the side of the ball that isn't the flashy side always is the way I... I look and, and judge people, and you can't describe the compulsion to win. There's nope. no way to verbalize it. It's just there or it isn't. Yeah,
2: you can't. Uh, <clears throat> I'm not sure you can ever learn it, but you know maybe you can. But those that have it, it's what sets them apart because mm-hmm. then they're going to work, and it's not. It's not so much that again that uh, that they're just naturally talented. I mean, you take Kobe Bryant, who is crazy naturally talented Mm. but the amount of time he would put in you know the amount of time that larry bird would put in and you know you hear the stories of larry bird where you know the visiting team comes into the boston garden and practices or they're in their own building and practicing and during practice if everything stopped and it was quiet they could hear this larry bird running laps up on the concourse the day of the game He's up there running laps on the yeah. concourse, and just psychologically, what that would do to the opposition, because then during the game, you know, there's all the stories of Larry Bird coming out of the timeout and saying, you know, they're down one, and saying, "Hey, I'm gonna take, I'm gonna shoot from right over there to win," <laughs> and he'd point to the spot, and then he'd somehow get open, get the ball, and knock down the shot to win. Spoken into,
0: yeah, spoken yeah. into into existence. Yeah. Well, there's a, there's a cockiness to it, but there's also just I think it shows that great execution will, will win every time yeah. if you mm-hmm. just do the simple things if you know you can make that shot if you know that you've worked hard and that's your shot then keep doing it right yeah the worst so they, for you
2: and people think that it's because they're you know confident or cocky or whatever no it's because they put tens of thousands of hours into it
1: into that one shot and
2: and I think sometimes young people today get you know our world is different of course there's so many distractions and everything else but they don't realize how much Mm -hmm. time and repetition goes into greatness
1: yeah this is funny there's I was driving in this morning listening to a
2: podcast go figure
1: I know you're impressed I was listening to podcasts. I don't listen to many podcasts, which is the funny thing about putting a podcast on. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's just not any that ever amount to the level right, we're at. Right, I guess So that. I just get so depressed listening to them. But you, you know who Les Brown is, right? Yeah. And he was talking about the Chinese uh, bamboo tree. Have you ever heard of this story, the Chinese bamboo tree? No. It's like it takes five years for it to grow, to grow. He's like you put the seed in the ground right and you have to water and fertilize the seed every day for five years he's like so you go out there and every day you're watering and fertilizing this tree and your neighbors are looking at you like you're crazy because every day you go out there people are like dude i think yeah. your seeds broken. You're water yeah. and fertilizing yeah. dirt yeah. yeah there's nothing happening then in the fifth year it grows uh, i think it was, it goes 90 feet within five weeks It's like, so it was the idea of success, right? The people don't see, they see the 90 feet in five weeks. They don't see the five years of fertilization and watering that went into it. And I was like, damn, that's a good analogy. That's a good
2: story. It's interesting that you mentioned that because uh, we talk about it all the time as a staff. It's called Water Your Bamboo. Yeah. And if you go into my office in my (laughs) windowsill, There's a bamboo tree there. There's my bamboo. There it is it's not 90 feet by any stretch but yeah. <laughs> uh, guess what i go in there every day i got a little couple a little bottle of water off on the other side of the windowsill i go over and pour a little water in my bamboo and there i'm not go. the only one in our department that has a bamboo because oh, we do cool. we do
1: like talk it. about it well now you can share that story water the fan.
0: bamboo yeah yeah that's obviously part of your culture so i want to bring it back to culture mm-hmm. and we we're kind of looking at going in a different direction next year. So the way this podcast came around was we were going to take 2019 to make our health and fitness and our business in the best shape of our adult lives. What we're focused on now is going in a different direction. So we want to talk about culture and leadership and some of those attributes that you hire for here. Heaven forbid Mark walks away end of the year. We'll retire at some point. What no. is your process, unless you've already got something in place from the staff? Oh, what already, would be the process for you to hire? This is somebody. a political. I it's, can tell
1: what's happening. This is going to be that political answer, isn't it? No, it's, it's
0: not. No, it's, it's not actually.
2: This is. I'm going to answer mm-hmm. a- answer it more hypothetically than than accurately because if Mark were to retire, Mark says, "You know what? I've been doing this long enough, and stress and everything else. I'm going to walk away." Tommy Lloyd's our next head coach. Okay, it mm-hmm. worked last time. Why wouldn't it work this time? Yeah. <laughs> and Tommy knows that it's in writing, mm-hmm. but. I've been asked that question a lot over the years. Yeah. Well But you know, I, I go all the way back to early on in this run and and one of the chairmen of our board of trustees, a very successful businessman in Seattle who is also a sports guy and was did a lot of work here actually development wise in Spokane he was the chairman of the board of trustees so he's the top of the food chain he hires and fires the president of the university
1: mm-hmm.
2: and in a board meeting he asked me and this is pretty early in my ad career you know i've only been maybe 3 years as ad or something he asked me the question in front of the whole board of trustees mike when you're hiring a coach what are the things you're looking for what do you what do you what are you what are you looking for in that regard and of course you would think I might have been deer in the headlights and everything else yeah. at that point but actually I wasn't because it's it's just what I've always thought. I told him I'm going to hire the best person for Gonzaga mm-hmm. University mm-hmm. not the best coach. I don't I want the best person first and foremost. That's what I want to find. I there are great coaches out there and I could list some that were unbelievably great college basketball coaches that we would never hire here at Gonzaga mm. because from a person standpoint yeah they're they're, they're so not I hire they're, for
1: character trained for skill
2: right yeah. they're not who we are and so the first and foremost thing we look for with anybody we hire is are they the right person for this place now that's very subjective and there's no, you know, there's no form to fill out, and there's no check a box or anything yeah. like that. That's a feel thing. Uh, but that's first and foremost. Now, again, they're going to be a good coach because just because somebody's a great person for Gonzaga, but they don't know you changed ends at halftime, you might want to look at somebody else to be your coach. Mm-hmm, uh, <laughs> but the first It'd be like maybe in the coach. Yes, the first yeah. criteria is a great person. There's another criteria though is we want competitors. We talked about, you know, being mm-hmm. competitive. We want everybody on our staff. Doesn't need to be just coaches. It doesn't need to be just certain staff positions. I want clerical people, our compliance people, our trainers, our academic folks, our administrators, not and of course our coaches, to be competitors. I want them to have competitive fire. Uh, now, again, you'd say, well, why would you need that in an administrator? Because I want them to be the best. Want, I want them to want to be the best that they can ever be in their field. I want them to be viewed by their peers as being one of the best, if not the best, in their field. Mm-hmm. I want them to be challenge, challenging themselves to be great
1: yeah.
2: and thus making us great along the way. In you can't want to be great unless you're a competitor and so we we kind of joke about this but it's true we have for years now i don't know how many years we've been doing it now but it's been a while maybe 15 years maybe a few less i don't remember every spring at the end of school Graduation's always on mother's day and then uh everybody's gone you know the students are gone faculty's gone that next week it's really quiet around here and we we're still baseball's going on track and field's still going on rowing's still going on for us so we're still competing but we pick a day and we have our annual softball tournament and we make a big deal about it. We have a commissioner. We have four owners. They pick, oh my gosh. They, they do a draft. They have their set teams. And then they draft new people and in and out. And then we, we have the day. And we go out. We play softball. We have four teams. And so two, you know, do a draw. Two teams play. The winners play the winners for the championship. The losers play each other for third place and we have a blast with it it's a lot of fun people are enjoying you know leading up to it it's a lot of fun it's just a hoot but when that ball goes up for that first pitch you can tell in a hurry we're all (laughs) competitors it is it's it's fun but my team's gonna win you know and my team's gonna win and my team's gonna and we're gonna and it's it's serious for those two hours and then afterwards Again, we can flip the switch and we're back to family and just having a great time and enjoying it and everything else. But that's what that's what you want to, and I believe in business, in anything, any area of, you know, my two sons are both in, in the medical field. Hmm. I, you know, I want them to be competitors. I think they are. I think they're going to want to surround themselves with competitors. Because again, in, in, and it's not, people sometimes view that in a negative way. No, that's not what, I'm not talking about the, I'm gonna take my ball and go home person. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about, I want to be the best. I wanna make my business, I wanna make our business the best that can be. Mm-hmm. In this case, I want our staff to wanna to make Gonzaga Athletics, and thus Gonzaga University, the greatest university in history. And what we've done in these past 20-some years now is we've completely changed the culture within not just Gonzaga Athletics, but within Gonzaga University, I believe, because of the competitiveness of everybody that we have. And, and what we find sometimes, you know, when you're big, uh, you have as many as employees as we do, and many staff as we do, sometimes you get somebody that doesn't fit. You know, sometimes yeah. that just happens. Yeah. And you, what we find is they usually don't stick around as long. Because And it's not because we're running them out as much as they realize they don't fit. Mm. They realize that, mm-hmm. you know, they, they, don't, they don't fit in the same mold as everybody else around Amazing. you. Yeah. And it has nothing to do with thinking alike. See, that's one thing that I think sometimes be, get, people get confused at is they think that, well, Mike, you just want a bunch of robots that work for you, so they all think like you, walk like you, talk like you. I said, no, it's just the opposite. I really embrace... You know, my top assistants, they, the key is that they don't think like me, that they're different than I am, and that they disagree with me. They, I was just in a meeting and Shannon Strahl, our senior associate AD. She and I were in a meeting together and that question came up to me from somebody else and I, she's sitting right next to me I said, well, ask Shannon what her number one job is. And she told him well, to disagree with Mike. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's her job. You need to be challenged to grow, it's, right? Yeah. And if you don't, if, you know, it goes back to what I, you know, we talked about a lot earlier about, uh, you know, of, you know, gaining something and having to fight to get mm-hmm. it. It's the same thing from from the standpoint of being challenged too. If 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 I sit around with a group of our staff and they don't challenge me, or they just spend their time thinking, well, what does Mike want here? What do you think Mike will like here? Mm-hmm we're in trouble you know we're not going to grow we're not going to get better we now again we don't go out in public and challenge each other we don't you know they're not going to walk out and say mike's an idiot publicly but they'll their job is to close the door and come in and say mike what are you thinking i mean a lot of times i'll say their their job is to protect me from myself too Mm -hmm. but but the reality is for any organization to be successful you've got to be able to adapt you got to be able to challenge yourself you got to, you're either going forward or you're going back there's no such thing as status quo and if you're if you think in business or athletics or education it doesn't matter the field if you think i've got this figured out i don't have to get any better at this yeah you're dying you're yeah you're getting worse that very second that 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 thought crosses your mind that's and so, so we
0: powerful, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we
2: and so we challenge ourselves with that on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. So when it comes, you know, looping all the way back to your original question, you, you might even thought I forgot about it. <laughs> so I went on a, on a wild goose chase there. But of sure. what we look, you know, what we look for when hiring is is those types of things. We want people that are number one. They have to fit who we are and what we're about. We want them to be competitors. We want them to have vision. We don't. It, if we have people that have to be told what to do all, all of the time, you know, there there is places for that, there, there, and we need them in society. You know, whether they be punching widgets or whatever it might be, we need people to do those jobs. And for some people, that's very gratifying; it works for them. For us, we need people that can also think and come with vision and say, "What if we did this?" You know, boom, and I mean, you you look around to some of the things that we've done over these last twenty some years, and changing things, we've taken risks, yeah, in doing, it. change the logo, change the colors. You know, when we did that twenty two years ago, that's you know, there was risk with that, much more risk now than. People really weren't paying attention to us, so maybe not as much risk. <laughs> yeah.
1: Two years before you go in big time, yeah.
2: But interesting enough, that the you know how they how those things coincided, you know that then you know we we started winning a whole bunch of games and we became this national program.
1: So know. how about recruits? Like for you talk about the culture, right? Creating a culture as a staff. It's like what i on the team though, because I mean you're obviously that can be positive or negative culture, right. and yep. uh, I, I, mean, I would assume you want the same culture for all the players of every athletic uh, sport at GU, so I mean.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, the first thing we got to remember with our student-athletes is that they're 18 to 22 years yeah. old, so we think back to when we, yeah. now for me, it was a really long time ago, but for you guys, it was more. I try not to. More. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> you try not to, so we got to remember that. But one of the things that our coaches do across the board, starting with men's basketball, but across the board, when they're recruiting kids, they're not just looking for jump shots, or fastballs, or the ability to kick the you know, goals in the net, or in rowing, go, back, mm-hmm. you know, go backwards fast. They're looking for the kids that are going to fit in their program. Now, they're looking to make sure they can make the jump shots first, yeah. but once they know that, that student athlete has the ability to play then they're now they want to know who that young man is or young woman is and will they fit and that's what when they bring them on visits they bring them on make sure they spend time with the team so then they can get feedback from yeah, the team and they find out the team will come and say the veterans will come and tell the coaches uh not so sure not so sure he or she is really going to fit here and so we've had kids it's interesting over the years you know how public everything is now and years ago people didn't even know who you recruited now they know that you know who who were recruiting that might not even be in high school yet you yeah. know type of thing or they think we're recruiting them whatever but you know sometimes there'll be a kid that goes someplace else and they think ah it's too bad you lost that kid to that other school you well, know sometimes yeah. sometimes we didn't yeah sometimes we didn't lose them yeah. you know sometimes <laughs> uh, we let them go Uh, We didn't didn't continue. It wasn't a good fit. It wasn't a good fit. And so that helps. And I actually was having this discussion the other day with a young man, a freshman here on campus, and we were talking about academics. And you look at our academic success that our student athletes have had, and he he was asking the question, well, how does that come about? And I said, well, one, we care a lot more than most places. We care a lot about it. We work hard at it. Mm -hmm. But it also is part of our culture. So when they get here as freshmen, they realize that, oh, I, the upperclassmen are studying i better say ooh, i look at what they did look at what the team did as a gpa last spring when i wasn't here now i'm here i better keep that up they, yeah, we'll they pull down
1: that average right yeah. or
2: you know you have upperclassmen say hey we're gonna go study let's go let's go study together you know they they you know they learn that that's part of our our culture here in gonzaga athletics that it's not just winning the games on the court or on the water of the field, it's also winning in the classroom. Yeah. It's also graduating, which is the ultimate, you know, the ultimate reward and the ultimate prize that you're chasing. Why, why are you here? You're here to get your education, and, and the definition of that is to get your degree. Mm-hmm. So
0: I'd like to ask on that, for some reason I thought of this now, the one-and-done culture in college basketball. So we saw Lonzo Ball, UCLA, yep. and he came here and played. Yep. Lonzo Ball played here, I watched yep. the game, yep. and then NBA the next year, right? I see a running battle between the NCAA and the NBA. NBA wants players to go straight to the NBA or to the G League. It's not something that's going to affect you and your culture here, but, and this is completely hypothetical, where do you see that shaking out in the next three to five years?
2: Well, it's something, well, right now the NBA is committed, it's an interesting thing. First off, people think the one and done is an NCAA thing. It's actually an NBA thing. Mm-hmm. From an NCAA standpoint, from a college basketball standpoint, we would all much rather see the, the LeBron James, the Zion Williamson's of the world mm-hmm. go right out of high school, right to the NBA, than to come to a university with a predetermined, I'm only going to be here for six months. I'm going to come in September and come March, as soon as our, my team's done in March, I'm done. That's, a, that's making a mockery of... Education, And so nobody wants that in college basketball anymore. And nobody has wanted it. NBA instituted it because they were drafting 17-year-olds and paying them millions of dollars (laughs) and finding out they couldn't play. And and so they put that into place. So we hope, and right now the plan is, I think it's 2022 maybe or 2023, that Hmm. the the NBA is talking that they will go back to allowing – Play, oh, wow. you know, players to be drafted right out of high school. Now, you know, the one-and-done thing would still have the possibility of continuing based on the present rules. Personally, I would love to see us go to the baseball model, you know, the college baseball model with Major League Baseball that's been going on for as long as I can remember, so 30-some years in the in the business now. It has been that if you get if you get drafted out of high school and sign with the major leagues and you're playing professional baseball that's fine. You can still get drafted right out of high school because people have to realize a high school kid doesn't put their name in the draft mm-hmm. like you do in in after your first year of college basketball where you put your name in the draft. High school they just draft players whether, you know, and some kid, "Hey, you can draft me, but I'm not I'm going to college." <laughs> but if you get, if, if you sign right out of high school, then you're not playing college baseball anymore. If you don't sign right out of high school and you attend a junior college, you can get drafted after that first year, if you, or your second year, your, your freshman year or your sophomore year, you can hmm. still get drafted again and still sign. But if you go to a four-year institution, you come to Gonzaga, the moment you walk into the classroom, the first day of class, you're not eligible to be drafted again until your junior year. Wow! So you have to spend three years of college at that point in time. Well, they're doing the same thing now with football, only they're not drafting them out of high school, but they're now letting football guys sign and be drafted after three years of college in football. In baseball, though, it's worked great for years where players that want to get an education or feel they didn't get drafted high enough out of high school can come play at a university, be there for three years for sure, and then possibly get drafted and signed, or they could come back their senior year and get drafted Mm -hmm. and signed, of course, too. So there's multiple opportunities in that regard, and where you see is a lot more of baseball players that do go to a four-year school, so they end up spending a minimum of three years working towards their degree, which means they have one year or mostly less to finish. They finish. Mm-hmm. They'll they'll end up finishing their degrees. The kids coming out of high school hardly ever go back to to school. Mm-hmm. The one and dones in the NBA hardly ever go mm-hmm. back to school. The kid that signed after his junior year in college will sometimes come back. Adam Morrison made millions of dollars. Yep. Hope you're not listening, Adam. He made millions of dollars playing in the NBA, but he came back after he retired and finished his degree because he already had three years in. Yeah. He didn't go until after his junior year. You know, Brandon Clark already graduated, even though he has another year of eligibility. So, hmm. you know, so from that standpoint, I believe that I'd love to see the NBA soften on that and just say, look, we're gonna let the great players want to come out of high school, come out of high school and they and, and and don't make a mockery of higher education. Mm-hmm. You know, instead if you want you come out of you know, you get drafted, go, you know, you're good enough, you're LeBron or Kobe, yeah. you're drafted, you go play in the NBA your first year. If you're not good enough, then and you don't get drafted, but you want to play professionally, you might be able to sign with the G League, you might be yeah. able to go play overseas. We're seeing that. There's a, there's a couple kids this year that were really high recruits that are now playing professionally overseas because guess what? They don't have to go to class. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they don't have and they don't make a mockery of the educational system in doing that. Now, you know, Zach Collins was, was a one and done an for us. Okay. So people say, well, Mike, how can you say that when you had Zach Collins? Well when we recruited Zach, when Zach was here, nobody. Zach, maybe Zach and his dad, maybe not. Ever thought he was going to be a one and done?
0: Six eleven can shoot the three.
2: Yeah, can and play. played on a team that went to the national championship mm-hmm. game in the semifinal game. where he blocked, like six shots. Yeah, we came out of that semifinal game with okay. Well, we need another. We're going to need another big guy next year because he's gone. And you
0: can't fault him. No,
2: I'm making a few no. million bucks in a couple well, years. Well, there's right? his opportunity, no, right? Take it, yeah. he, he's the he was the tenth pick in the draft. So mm-hmm. at that point, he was the second highest draft pick in Gonzaga's history. 10th pick in the draft, yeah. and he's already at, at 22 years old, would be a senior this year with with Tilly, same class as Tilly, yeah. would be a senior this year. He's already made more money than his graduating class might make collectively in their first year, well, <laughs> if you think about that. His first three years, yeah. he's getting paid. He might make more money than that whole graduating class combined.
0: See, the NG rookie minimum is that it's a two-year contract. I think it's a million a year or just shy of a million a year. And then after that second year, you negotiate and get more so yeah he's he's crushing it that's something you should get into so you know I know I need I was like what the heck like those rookies like they're the ones that need help because they think two million dollars is a lot oh yeah and they start spending it yeah they start buying for mom and entourage oh yeah and that's where where Zach's got a good head on his shoulders and the
2: the NBA is doing a better job of trying to help those young guys or any rookie for that matter of coming out and they do education, work with them on that, but they don't control it either. I mean, it's up to the kid to decide, Mm -hmm. okay, am I going to control my own money? Or am I going to let a relative control my money? Or am I going to let a financial planner control it? You know, what am I going to do? We talked
1: about this in the office too. It's like, they think that this income lasts for, you know, 20, 30, 40 years.
2: And it can you know if it? they do it right.
1: Well, yeah. It depends on the sport probably, if right? If they do but it
2: right. Yeah. If, if, yeah no, no, their I mean, income doesn't go 20, no, 30, 40 d- years. No, their income doesn't. And that's what right.
1: they they spend like it does. You're yeah. like, no, you got five, ten probably years of this. Yeah. Like, sock it away now. Yep. And if they're lucky.
2: Ex- they ex- five years. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, yeah. you know, you know, yeah, and because things can happen. Yeah. yeah. Injuries. But you remember, they're drafting. Every year the NBA drafts, first-round draft picks are all guaranteed a contract. Mm-hmm. So every year you add one player to your roster every year. That mm. means one player that was on your roster this year isn't going to be on your roster next year. So somebody is going to be out of a salary every year. Interesting. So it's guaranteed there's 30 players, right? There's 30 teams in the NBA? 32. 32. So there's 32 teams in the NBA right now. Next year at this time, there'll be 32 players out of a job. Guarantee, And not, 32 new and ones. Not all, it, right, with 32 new ones coming yeah. in. And some of those guys, yeah, that's, some will be attrition, some will retire. I mean, Vince Carter's going to retire at some point. <laughs> yeah. he, might might be 50, he might be 50 when he retires, <laughs> but at some point he's going to retire. But – a lot of those guys aren't retiring a lot of guys are being retired yeah they're, they're you know like you're
1: done hopefully you did a good job of saving go enjoy the rocking well,
2: chair vince sure. is
0: all right he's the best dunker of all no, time. i was
2: gonna say vince has been <laughs> vince now with his with the start of this year is the longest it is 22 years in the league and that's longer than any other player in that's the history crazy. of the nba mm-hmm. and sanity yeah vince sanity sanity yeah and he and he <laughs> he's playing in a lucrative time uh, yeah. now. This time is crazy lucrative. You saw what what DeMontis got here recently, a seventy seven million dollar guaranteed yeah. contract with additional on top of that. And
1: We're what, in the wrong business, Stephen. Yeah,
2: what Kelly what, what Kelly signed a couple years ago. You start thinking what Rui and Brandon and, and Zach and those guys are gonna be able to get. You never
1: went professional, huh? You didn't yeah.
2: Yeah, you know, I had one thing going against me. Yeah, what was I that? I wasn't good enough.
0: Ah. <laughs> I still believe I was good enough. <laughs> that's that competitive well, side, Stephen. Well, you got
2: to remember, I, am saying, there's coaches that thought I wasn't good enough. Yeah. I'm not saying I was.
0: You know, I mean, I knew I was good enough. They well, just I knew.
2: stupid See, coaches. Yeah. So hold that's it.
0: that. That's that compulsion thing again. I but, told you this, and you laughed at me. I could be on a basketball court with Michael Jordan, and I think I have a chance.
1: Yeah. See, I'm. I always say it's like I'm selectively motivated. Mm-hmm. It's like I'm, I'm motivated and competitive on the things that I'm passionate
2: about. Yeah, which is great. Which yeah. is what you want to be, and and I find, and I have found over the years that uh, if I'm not going to be passionate about it, or that's not going to be competitive. Then why do it? Yeah, you know. So there are certain things that people say. Well, do you do this? No, I just don't. I don't that want to be put, me with golf. <laughs> I don't want to spend that mu- that amount of time to be good enough yeah. to make me feel like it's worth it Totally. because there's too much comp- yeah, competitiveness I get that. In. My my wife loves to play board games and that kind of stuff. Just oh, loves it. Oh, I can't. Do that. And and for me that's hard because chance. No, it's not chance. It's it's the competition. I, I have to be careful with my competitive <laughs> spirit. It. See, I don't want. There's there's limitations there.
1: I once beat my teammate with a blanket one time because we were losing. It yeah. wasn't
2: good. John, Johnny is a great example of that. Johnny <laughs> understands he can turn it on and off. Yeah. Jordan can't. Oh, Jordan can't turn it on and off. Yeah. Jordan, it his so John Stockton and Michael Jordan get inducted in the, in the Hall of Fame at the same same time, same induction class, and uh, with <laughs> David David uh, Robinson and uh, it was really cool. So it was
0: a great
2: class. Uh, yeah, great class, and a number of us went back there. I, I brought a number of our staff that have been with John all these years. And we went back to it. And so Johnny does his his speech and it's great. It's thanking everybody and, <laughs> and being John you know and John would always say, you know I was never the best player on any team I was on. this kid in high school was better and this you know Bryce McPhee here at Gonzaga was better and Carl Malone with the jazz was better you know he always lists them off. Michael gets up there for his speech. And he can't do that.
0: Calls guys out.
2: He's called. He called. He brought his the guy that that he got cut his sophomore year in high school. Michael Jordan got cut, and he brought the guy that beat him out to the ceremony, and then called him out in the ceremony as <laughs> how much better you know how much better he w- was wow. in at that time. And the coach. He called out Dean Smith in it. That Dean Smith wouldn't let him on the cover of Sports mm-hmm. Illustrated his sophomore year. He called out the Jazz of you know. You know, I could I can still beat Russell today. When you know he made the jump shot to to beat the Jazz, I could still make that move today. <laughs> he yeah. couldn't turn it off. He he can't turn it off.
1: You ever heard of humility, buddy? Yeah. Well,
2: it's it's not humility in my my opinion. That is his competitiveness. He just can't in everything he does. It is full out competition, and that's what made him. The, Arguably, the greatest player in the history of college basketball.
0: One of the best businessmen. He's a billionaire. Oh baby. yeah,
2: yeah. It, and because of competitiveness, right? Because he wasn't. I'm never going to be second, you know. Mm-hmm. And he tried yeah. baseball because he wanted the challenge. But then, when he realized he's not going to be the greatest, okay, I'll go back to I'm going to go back and yeah, play basketball yeah. because I can still be the greatest. Do so you there. wonder if
1: someone like him is fulfilled at all by relationships, or if it is just all him? Like, because like you, it'd be hard to be friends with somebody like that.
2: Yeah, so I know. Like, do you think he has any friends? No, he does. He has some. You know, he has. not paid. Come on. Yeah, you know, no, he yeah, hasn't yeah. paid, Mike. No, like his his college roommate, uh, 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 Buzz Peterson was his mm-hmm. college roommate, both freshmen at the same time, coming into North Carolina, and Buzz came from a they came from different backgrounds, and, and uh, they were challenging each other every day. And, of course, Michael, as a freshman, hits the mm-hmm. jump shot for North Carolina to win the championship. But there's plenty of stories of, of that they're still super close friends. And whenever Buzz would come to Chicago, he would go, and even if Michael wasn't home, he'd go to the house. And Michael's wife would let him in, and he'd go to Michael's closet and take any pairs of shoes he wanted. Because when they were in college, Michael they had the same size feet, and Michael would go into his closet and always take shoes because Buzz, Buzz's family had more resources than Michael's family did, and so in Buzz, that might have changed a little. It may have changed a little, and that's why Buzz. It wasn't that Buzz was saying you couldn't use my shoes Buzz was fine with it and he was just making sure that now that you know Michael's a billionaire that hey I'm never going to be hurting for shoes because I'm always just going to take whatever (laughs) Michael has in his closet they become mine
0: (laughs) so we can start to wrap up but I have one more question and then if you've got anything you can throw it in here Ben legacy we talk about legacy a lot don't want to call you old because I don't think you are (laughs) (laughs) but I am if when you walk away from Gonzaga Athletics what do you want your legacy to be And how do you think that's shaping up? Good question, I like.
2: Uh, Yeah, that is a great question. You know, I don't think of it as me. You know, I don't think of it as my legacy uh, from that standpoint. I believe that, you know, during this time here with me as AD, we have had the opportunity to do some really special things. And I think the most important thing for me is we continue to build on that. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm no different than a lot of people. I have an ego, sure I do. But I also have a realization that this place will be here when I walk out the door. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) what I want it to be though, is I want it to be better. I want us to, you know, to not just continue winning, but continue to winning even at a higher level. You know, Mm -hmm. win a national championship. And we've always said this, you know what we're gonna do when we win a national championship? We're going to celebrate the crap. Uh, It's going to be one heck (laughs) of a celebration. Can we come? And everybody's invited. (laughs) And then, guess what? Then we're going to go to work on winning another one. Yeah. That's the way to do it. Then we're going to go to work on winning another one. And guess what? That's what I want to have happen when when I leave is that those people that now, hopefully, those people that I have helped grow, in the job and grow in the business and everything else are ready to then step in and actually make it better. Not There's no such thing as status quo. They're not going to keep doing it the same. I know that. They're not going to... Their goals, sh- I sure as heck hope I pounded into them enough that their goals should not be, we just need to maintain this. Mm-hmm. It's going to be, we need to improve upon it. And that's what I'm looking for. That's what I hope happens uh, when... You know, when it's time for me to walk out the door, and I hope that I get to make that decision. Mm-hmm, you know, I mm-hmm. hope that I'm not told. That. <laughs> I
0: think I, you're safe. It,
2: and I don't want to be, you know, but at the same time, it's interesting because, you know, I am not as young as I used to be, and this has been talked about recently. You know, I don't want to be the line I use I don't want to be Willie Mays. I don't want to be yeah. out there trying to run down a fly ball when I just don't have it anymore. Yeah. And I, I want to be able to, you know, don't, I don't want to wait too long. I don't want to go early, but I also don't want to wait until yeah. you got to find that sweet well, spot. Well, and I would
1: imagine in your situation, to the point of winning the championship, is like probably want to try and stick around until that happens. Yeah. I there's got to be a little bit of you. It's like I'm not gonna quit until we do
2: that. Yeah. Well, yeah, a little bit. But if the flip side is, what if, what if by me leaving, and a new, you know, and we, you know, our staff that is ready to take over steps in and makes a few tweaks. And we win a national championship, isn't that just as great? that cool. for me. It would be for yeah. me. For me, it would be. And so, yes, I'd love to still be sitting in the chair when it happens. But it's not like I'm gonna, you know, not. Cry, con- it, yeah. Well, it's not like I'm not that I'm not going to continue to want us to have this success. And and you know, not everybody is like that. I get that. There are some people that when they leave places, they kind of hope that the place really needs them. Yeah, and in the shows, I hope that that we have positioned ourselves, as a department, uh, that that's not the case. And all you miss is the goofiness that that I bring, and I joke with the that shoes, I, yeah, and the shoes. We and, haven't talked about the shoes. I, and, and I jo- We don't have time to talk and, about the shoes, Stephen. Jo- oh, you should see some I'm of my no. new shoes, Stephen. You should. 15. You should.
1: He's, he's wearing the shoes that he wore at the SYP. Event, you should by the way, right see now.
2: some of the new ones I've got for oh. this year. I got a whole fleet of new ones, baby. <laughs> there's some
1: good ones Stephen's so excited right Halloween, now
2: Halloween I'm ready on Halloween I got my skeleton shoes ready on Halloween too oh, you know I got a pair of Nikes that are anatomically geez. correct uh, skeleton that's great yeah. you, you but, know what? But, but I we'll go back you, let me just finish up going back on on you know that legacy piece again I I truly believe that we can be better and I think that's again not everybody might want that when they yeah. leave places I want this place to look, look back at my time and say, wow, he helped prepare us for now where we are. Yeah. Not that, you know, where did we go? That things are better. Boy, that's going to make me feel good. I really do.
0: Overwhelmingly what I get from you, and I've been blessed to be surrounded by great leaders and great mentors my entire life. You are an, a we and us guy. You're not a me and I guy. Mm -hmm. and i think i don't know that that can be taught i think that's again coming back to culture and being a great leader and there's got to be one person that's a figurehead but that just filters and flows through the whole culture here right right and i don't i mean that's that's i feel like that's the best compliment i can give you just the fact that it's 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 we and us and not me and i
2: and that's a big thing steven and i appreciate that very much uh we do you know I don't say I and me very much I try to avoid that especially when we're talking about staff issues I never say that anybody works for me I say I always say that I work with them but they don't work for me when technically they all do but no I get to work with them And from a leadership standpoint, one of the big things with me, and and it was interesting, I got to spend some time with some folks out at Fairchild in the last number of months. And and I've always thought that that that's kind of a little different from a leadership standpoint. Now I've learned in dealing with them out there, it's not. It still comes back to, you can be the general and they have to salute you, of course. But what you want is you want to be the general and they want to salute Mm -hmm. you not that they have to you want to be able to command not demand yeah and as a leader if you have people that want to succeed and i talked about competitors and people to fit well what we're looking for in that regard is people that want to win want to be competitors but they want to do it because they want to do it for the leader too they say wow I want, and not because the leader is going to give them a raise, but because they want to follow that leader. Mm-hmm. I want, mm-hmm. and the, the best leaders, and yeah. the best leaders in the world are the ones where people choose to follow. Mm-hmm. Where they say, "Well, I can, I can follow that guy or that guy, or that gal or that gal," and they choose you for because of leadership, not because of money, not because of anything. But I want to hitch my wagon to that, and. I love that. And at the end of the day, that's what defines us. And as a leader, you need to know what you say and what you do has such a tremendous effect in that people are watching. And so how you treat, there's a plaque in my office that says, you know, one of the the things that defines character is how you treat someone else that can do nothing for you in return.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's Mm -hmm.
2: good. And then you throw in there on top, then you go another definition of character is what you do when no one's looking. But But ultimately, it's it's how you treat people around you. I mean, I always encourage our staff that, you know, do you know all the custodians' names? Why not? You know? You know because guess what they're really important they clean the bathrooms yeah yeah <laughs> think about it yeah you know? think about it you know and 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 That's, so that. if you but if you go up and you talk to a because you talk to somebody down the food chain doesn't matter their position where they are within your organization or even another and you can mention them by name you make their day because oh, yeah. think about it yourself when somebody up the food chain that you admire or, or something else, and they come up and, Stephen, how are you doing, man? How are you guys doing today? And you're like, how did he remember my name? Makes you feel really good to it start with. Yeah. But then when that person asks you to do something for them, now you're like, okay, they know me. They want me to do something for them. Wow. I'm in. I'm and in. So I'm in. Lead- leadership yeah. is, you know, there's times where I wonder. I really do. I, I really wonder if leadership can be learned. Uh, sometimes I wonder if it can't sometimes I think it, it is or leaders more born than learned but there's also mm. people out there that think they're leaders because they're in a position and yeah. they, they they think they're leaders because people have to salute them
0: and it's not a leader
2: that's a boss e- thank yeah. you
0: I would say behaviors are behaviors are taught and they can be conditioned behaviors are what make good leaders so you can condition people to make more good decisions and bad decisions. But I do agree with you. I think there's a certain mindset there that certain characteristics even. You can yeah. lead by doing or you can lead by having other people do it with you, right? And I'll be honest, it's something that I've learned over time. I used to be the guy that'd be like get out of the way and I'll do it. And you can't right. do that anymore. You have to trust people. Well, that's that why twenty twenty is gonna be learn. fun
1: doing this leadership. Uh mm-hmm. yeah. well not only that Steven, any...
0: the other thing on that note Stephen too
2: is is not only do you don't want to push people out of the way But sometimes you want to let people fail.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know,
2: even as long as it's not dangerous, as long as it's not going to destroy your business or really cause you a lot of heartache, sometimes you can motivate them to be more creative in what they're doing by you kind of know this might not work, but you're saying, look, Stephen, I trust you. One One thing that our staff will bring to me, some questions sometimes, what do you think we should do here? And I say, what do you think? And they'll say, well, I think we should be doing this. I said... I trust you. Well, I don't. True. I don't answer. I don't say yes or no. I actually just say I trust you. And mm-hmm. with that trust comes they learn that by me giving that trust, I'm giving them more responsibility. And yeah. again, goes back to the motivation piece. So, yeah, you know, great. we could do this all day with me. You know, because I can just ramble. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's like putting, like putting a the, see He
1: can too, though.
2: Yeah. See, <laughs> so Stephen can you know, ramble I mean, amongst. The- I, you know, I think uh, I think at some point we better call we can, this off on the watch. I'll
1: I'll say, Mike, thank you for coming on today, letting yeah, us yes. come invade your guys' home here.
0: i is pretty sick. For us. This is awesome. Yeah, yeah we no, a good I appreciate. Time. I
2: always enjoy talking to this guy, you know, he's it's all, his accent. It's his accent. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's true. The accent, you know, yeah. I, I he wonder, i embrace, like, Amer-
1: embrace it.
2: does the American accent work over there?
1: I, when I was over in the UK, they're like, you have a really beautiful accent. I'm like, I don't have
0: an accent. Like, wait, oh, wait, I guess I do. I don't think he wants to hear you talk though, Ben. That's why you're doing a podcast. That's why we do a <laughs> podcast. Yeah. <laughs> On that note, <laughs> Mike, right. thanks again. Yep. You Steven, bet. screw That's off. All right. Be Thank good you. to yourselves <laughs> and to each other Boom. <laughs>
3: No. Nah. <gasps>